ears and open your heart. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, all right. Kids, are there any kids that need to be dismissed into this service? Out of this service? No, you're too old. You can't go, brother. All right. Kids, you may be dismissed. Uh, it is a privilege to be back with you today at Core Faith Church. It's good to see you. If you need outlines or uh, uh, study guides, uh, our brother is passing those out. They're only $1.50 today. Uh, <laughs> But uh, what a privilege, really, to be with you. You know, you already have had a, two great messages. Did you notice that when Pastor Chad gave us the preparation for communion? Uh, you know, the Core Faith Church always does such a wonderful job of, of preparing us for communion. And so that was a message in and of itself, gospel message in and of itself. And then through the worship service, again, so well put together, great songs. You had a whole nother message. I ought to just pray and let you out of here. It's not going to happen. Uh, but uh, we're going to do this uh, series and finish it up today. Uh, I understand that Bishop and his family are coming back tomorrow. Is that right? Today. Today. Tomorrow. They're flying back today. They're flying back today. We'll be back tomorrow. They're coming back, which is what I'm really happy about. And, uh, and then he can clean up any messes that I've made here in this series. Well, today, we're going to be talking about parenting. Last week, it was about marriage. And some of you were saying, for crying out loud, I'm too young. I'm not married, and I don't have any kids. Uh, and that's, this is a perfect time for you to be here, isn't it? Uh, and, and, and some of you said, well, I've heard this before. I've thought about this before. But uh, this, it's crucial for us to talk about these things as Christians because we learn by repetition, don't we? Uh, repetition is the mother of all learning. Repetition is the mother of all learning. Let's say it together. Repetition is the mother of all learning. It really is. As we go over some of the important uh, basics of the gospel and of Christian living, of marriage, and of, of having kids, it's, it's absolutely crucial. Listen, if you're not married, I got a word for you. And the word is this. After you, after you accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the most important relational decision you will ever make in your life is who will I marry? It's absolutely crucial. And so that's why we talked about marriage and, and why we can't take marriage lightly because it will affect you in deep, deep ways over the long haul. Well, then uh, parenting comes up as the, another thing. Once you get married, you see marriage is the foundation of parenting, right? You, you know, if, if you have a good marriage, uh, then you can build good kids. If you have a struggling marriage, it's going to be difficult to, to, to build kids. And so this whole idea of marriage and family go together, the family unit. A bishop had an idea of how this is, how maybe he was really trying to say, Pete, you need to think through some things again. So I want you to talk about it. I know I'm still learning at every phase of life in marriage and in raising kids and now as a, as a grandfather. But um, I want to start out today with, with two points and then go to the third one. I want to talk about the motivations for parenting. Why be a parent? Number two, I want to talk about the challenges in parenting. Uh, why is it so difficult? Uh, and thirdly, then I want to talk about directions in parenting, where we ought to go. 
And I, did you catch the first song that we sang? It was so good. I wrote down the word. I, I can't sing. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sing like some of your people up here. I mean, Corfe, they got great voices. And Sean, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing like you, I guess, man. I, but I, I, love the, I love this. I believe in the word of God more than what I see around me. Wasn't that good? That was so good. And then I, I believe what you say. His proclamation is my destination. That's good stuff. Uh, because, because the Word of God has to guide us. All right, let's start off. Let's talk about the motivations in parenting. Here's the question. Why in the world be a parent? Why in the world? It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's messy beyond belief, isn't it? I mean, there's diapers and all kinds of stuff. It starts in babyhood, food all over the face, food all over the place, diapers. It goes from diapers to adolescence to the teenage years. Oh my goodness, what's more terrifying? I don't know. Uh, you know so why in the world? Why in the world should we be parents? Uh, I, I, I had lunch with a firefighter here in Oviedo who's a friend of mine, and uh, he's, he's nearing retirement. And I said, so how's it going? He goes, well, both of my kids are married, and they've moved out. And uh, so my wife and I quickly sold the house and downsized. We now have a condominium. <laughs> They're off the family payroll, and by moving into a smaller house, he made the statement, you can't come back. <laughs> Not only can't you come back, you got to deal with your issues in marriage. You can't come running back. we got to work this out. And you got to raise a family. It's time. There is a time to move out of the family and to start your own family. Uh, and, and, and that's how it goes. That's the cycles. That's what God has ordained. It turns out, why parenting? Why should we be parenting? Parents, it turns out that's part of God's plan, isn't it? It's just as marriage between a man and a woman is God's plan, parenting is, is a part of God's plan. So God created, Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. He blessed them, and then he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, right? So it's a, parenting is part of God's plan. And you say, well, the earth has been filled and repopulated. I know, but people are dying. And until Jesus comes back, it's his plan for us to have kids. Uh, and, and so, it, boy, I tell you, and, and when Karen and I, Karen was in the first service again, and when we got married, we decided we, we wanted to have kids. We were just go, we, it was never an issue that we weren't going to have kids. We wanted to have kids. I always recommend couples that I'm doing premarital counseling for to wait four or five years so you can get to know each other and work out your marriage, get unity in your marriage so that you can then have unity in your parenting. So take a little time to do that. But we always wanted to have kids. And by the way, that's a modern miracle to me that I wanted to have kids. And you say, why? Well, because my mom was a nut for kids. She had two of her own. But every time I went to the grocery store with my mom, here I am as a kid. Uh, uh, boys, you know how embarrassing this would be. And middle schooler, I'd be standing there, and she'd see somebody in the store that had a baby. She'd take her purse. She'd take her purse. Here, hold this. And I'd have to hold her purse while she went over and talked to the lady with the baby and picked up that baby and hugged that baby. And I, after a while, I said, Mom, I, I, I remember getting in the car and said, Mom, I ain't, I ain't ever holding your purse again. <laughs> yeah. 
And so that whole situation, here, hold my purse while I go talk to a baby, could have made me hate having babies. But, but when I had my own, well, my wife had it for us. It was a game changer. Even for guys who think, ah, I never want kids. When they have their own, it's a new deal, isn't it? That's my boy. That's my girl. And so we have three kids. Joel is 34. John is 32. Jesse, the warrior princess, was God's surprise. <laughs> She's just graduated from college and... Uh, uh, and we are blessed. But I wanted to have kids, and I, and 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 I, and and so it was important. I, it was important to have kids because it's God's plan to have kids. But I had other motivations too. I told you last week that my family was broken. I had a broken family. Uh, my parents divorced when I was ten. I didn't. I wanted to. I wanted to create a functional family because my family was not functional. We didn't put the fun in dysfunctional. It was not a happy house. And, and I wanted to create, I wanted, and I wanted to have sons. Lord, my dad didn't develop me. Give me two sons. Give me some sons to develop, to send out there into the world as straight arrows for Jesus Christ. And then he did. He gave me two boys and he gave me a girl. And, uh, um, and, and, and so I, the, the great adventure uh, of having kids, it's, it's an adventure, isn't it? Wow. It is, and it's an adventure being a grandparent. By the way, my grandkids don't call me grandpa. I'm too insecure to be called grandpa. <laughs> I, to I told my son when he started having kids, I said, they're going to call me chief. <laughs> That's from my Boy Scout day when I led an organization. I was the chief of that organization. Well, well, listen, that's better than one of my friends. My, one of my friends wanted to have his grandkids call him Maximilian the Great. <laughs> I said, Tom, that isn't going to happen, man. And uh, so, so ch they call me chief, and they're coming over today after church, so I'll get to see them. And uh, it's fun to have those little Philistines run around the house saying, Chief, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> but having kids, I wanted to break the cycle. Do you want to break the cycle in your family? You know, having kids and building great kids can maybe can break the cycle in your own family and your own life experience. By the way, having kids and building great kids is a great, one of the greatest gifts you can give to American culture. Did you know that? Because our country needs great kids. Because we have a lot of people growing up that are not well developed in the home. And so it's a very, very important thing to have kids uh, and, and, and to know our motivations. And so I want to ask you, what are your motivations for having kids? What were your motivations for having kids? Remember them. Go back to them and say, oh, yeah, that's why. Um, and remember that it's God's plan for us to do that and a gift, a gift to our culture and a gift to so many other people. I did two funerals last year that I remember, uh, like it was yesterday, two funerals of two men who were both military guys. One was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, uh, and the other was a Navy guy. Both had been, had been incredible men's men. 
And when they died, I got to do their funerals. And what was absolutely stunning to me in both of those funerals is what their kids and their grandkids said about them and their stepkids. And I, I learned one thing, that I don't get to define my life. That the people who define my life are not for my job, are not from my neighborhood, but they're from my family. They're my kids and my grandkids. Don't ever forget that, that who defines your legacy, your kids. This is powerful because it motivates us in parenting in the right way, doesn't it? It really does. So I, I, I motivations for parenting. Why in the world have kids? God wants you to. And it's a great adventure, and it's a great contribution. Now, let's talk about the challenges in parenting. Why is it so difficult sometimes? Kids, why do you make it so difficult? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. You're wonderful. But just as marriage is challenging... And we all agreed on that last week. Marriage is sometimes challenging, right? Did we agree on that? Yeah, yeah. Do, do we all agree that parenting is sometimes challenging? It is. It is. Um, why, why is it so difficult? Well, the Bible tells us, right? Genesis chapter 3, uh, that, that sin came into the world. What makes marriage challenging is sin. What makes parenting and raising kids so difficult is sin. Our kids are born sinners. They're not born morally neutral. They're not even born good. They're born with Adamic sin. Pastor Chad brought that up here today as he talked about it from Romans. Uh, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all men sin. See, this is a profound theological truth that we're born with Adamic sin. So those little messy bundles that are born are born sinners in need of Jesus. Agree? It's biblical. What makes raising kids so difficult is that we're trying to raise sinners. Hmm. What makes it doubly difficult is that we as parents are, <laughs> so you got a double whammy there. You've got, this, you've got this weird situation where even as Christians, we're sinner saints, right? We're forgiven, but we're still sinner saints. We still sin. So we've got sinners, sinners raising sinners. That's what makes the whole parenting process such a challenge. And as we raise our kids, we're raising these little Philistines that we love so much, but that we love them. We love them. But they're rotten at times. And sometimes, at times, we, our own selfishness, gets in the way of... So it's amazing. What is the first word a kid learns when he can start talking? What is the first... No, I mean, we didn't even debate that. No. And it's so fun. One of the most fun things we have with our grandkids is seeing what uh, our grandkids say to us and to, to their parents. 
And then whenever my son gets a look of exasperation on, the fa- on his face, I look at him and I say, the chickens have come home to roost, brother. <laughs> you know, I, this is great. So my grandson was over last, last week and he bumped his head and he got a lot. We were trying to put ice on the back of his head. And, and he didn't want anything to do with that. He didn't want any of that. So he kept saying, I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. He's two. I've had enough of it. I've had enough. Who did he get that from? Yeah, mom or dad. Maybe his mom. I don't know, but probably my, yeah. Yeah, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We're sinners who need Jesus, and our kids are sinners who need Jesus. And so parenting is very demanding, uh, and, 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 it, and it's hard. If you're single parenting, that's really difficult. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and that's why we need the body of Christ to help us at times, Zoe. Yeah, we do. We need each other. If, if you were raised in a home that you didn't have a good example of parenting, you, you, it's hard to raise your kids because you didn't have the model. I didn't realize what I didn't realize when I first started having kids. I didn't know what I didn't know when I'm trying to raise these kids. I thought I knew how to raise kids. We think it's natural and it's not. Now, women, I'd say you have the motherly maternal instinct that helps relationally a lot. and We men have to learn from you. But nevertheless, parenting is not natural. Uh, we have to learn from God, and it's difficult at times. If you've been divorced and uh, your kids are living far away, you want to be involved, but it's hard to do. It's hard to be involved. One man in our ministry at Ford said, my dad was basically absent. He said, I wanted to be a cycle breaker for my family. I'm in, uh, I am in that I'm the first Christian in my family, but my kids live 500 miles away in New Atlanta. I want to be involved. Um, there's so many challenges that make parenting difficult, right? One other, one other thing that makes parenting difficult is that every one of our kids are different. Mm-hmm. It's not a science. It's an art and a science. The Bible tells us, again, back to Scripture, we'll talk about this in a minute, what are we supposed to do in parenting? But it's important for us to keep in, in, in mind that every one of our children are different. Every one of the kids you have are different temperamentally by God's grace. Who needs duplicates? I found even twins are different. Identical twins are different temperamentally, even though there's, they share a lot in common. And so, and so raising my firstborn kid, son, Joel, he's born telling me what to do. I had to discipline him a great deal. I broke a few wooden spoons on his... Now, they weren't oak spoons. They were soft. We laugh about it now. My second son, Johnny, who could press me over, his, over my head, he, you know, I mean, I spanked him maybe twice, as far as I can remember, because he learned from his older brother. <laughs> Jesse the warrior princess? Maybe twice. I don't know. I'd look at her wrong and she'd cry. Right? It's different, right? You got gender differences, you got temperamental differences. And so raising kids is a real adventure. It's a real challenge. It's, a re- it's an art. It takes all of who we are. And by the way, kids, if you're kind of tired, if you're growing up, you're getting kind of tired of mom and dad's parenting, I understand that. I get that. I get that. Once a parent, always a parent, though, right, parents? I mean, if you, if, if you guys, you kids, 
I call you kids, you're young adults, a lot of you. You think that we're over-hovering, that we're a little bit overprotective. Sometimes we are. Well, once you're a parent, you're always a parent, and you, we love you even though sometimes you don't deserve it. <laughs> and we can't help ourselves because we want you to live a great life. We don't want you to make some of the mistakes we made. We want you to learn from us and know that we're not trying to control you. We don't want to dominate you. We just want you to have a great life. And, and we do have some things to share with you. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Directions in parenting. What, what are we trying to do? And again, if you're so far from having kids of your own, I get it. And if some of you are already, uh, if some of you are saying, well, I've already got kids and I've made mistakes, isn't there grace for every one of our mistakes? Yes. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, so file some of this away if you're, if you're not, if you're, if you're grandparenting. Maybe it's something you want to pass on to other people. Maybe it's for in the future for you. Let's look at directions in parenting, what the Bible says. Let's start in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Uh, I love this text. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And, and you know, these verse, those verses are so powerful to us. We sang... Uh, today about this, didn't we? Oh, how he loves you and me. He's jealous for us. There are a million reasons to love God, but the big reason to love God is because he loves us as, as little as we deserve it. You, you know something? You can hug a dirty kid, but you can't hug a stiff kid. You know, if a, a kid is like this and doesn't want to be hugged, and he's angry at you, it's hard to hug him. But if a little dirty kid comes running up to you and he knows he's dirty and you scoop him up, arms out, God, by, his, by the Holy Spirit in the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, has called us to himself and us dirty little kids, we come running to the Lord. And what does he do? He picks us up. He loved us before the foundation of the world. And so, and so this love of God for us then elicits love back. God never says, love me, but I'm not going to give you any reasons. God is very lovable. And he loved us first. John said in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. And so in Deuteronomy, it says, Israel, God's people, love God. But he gives them a million reasons to love them. But then notice verse 6. Um, he says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your, what? Children. And you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, parenting... Parenting is passing on. Did you catch in the video what I said about what, what are we trying to do in parenting? In raising kids, what are we doing? We are building a life. A child is a precious gift from God. This squirming, noisy, demanding little thing 
is a precious life that will live eternally once it comes into this world. Isn't that amazing? And our job is to take this mass of human flesh that cries, that, you know, have you, how did you sleep last? Have you ever asked a friend, how did you sleep last? Like a baby. Like a baby. Woke up four times crying, hungry. That's how you sleep like a baby. <laughs> uh, when I say I slept like a baby, I mean, I, it's like I had a bad night. But our job in taking this baby is to turn it into a functional life. I wish somebody had told me that when I first, I, I didn't know that. I had to learn that, that parenting, fathering, mothering is building a life, taking this life, uh, this soul that needs to know Jesus and building them into somebody productive that is a contribution to the church, to the glory of God, and, and to our culture. And, and so notice he says, we are, we are to take these things about God and build them into, into the lives of our kids. Help them know God. Help them know God's goodness. Help them understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when they're unlovable. And notice how do we do this? What's the functional model of parenting? How do we do it? Well, he says, you shall talk about these things when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and there shall be frontlets on your eyes. This is how the Jews literally took this literally. And so some of the Jewish leaders in Jesus' time had, had scripture verses dangling from their foreheads and stuff. I mean, they would run into poles with these dangling things. What is, what is this? Guys, guys, you'll love this. The model for parenting is active. It's not sitting down at a table. It's as we do life. As we get up, as we go out, as we come in, as, we, as we're driving someplace, as I'm taking my kids in the car seat strapped back there so they don't hurt themselves, I'm parenting them. As I get them out of the car seats, as, as they say no to me, I'm parenting them. As we deal with this, we deal with that, as we go here, as we go to ball games, as they get older and progress, everything, in and out, up and down, sitting around. Uh, my son Johnny, who played basketball through at Winter Springs High School, all through high school. I mean, I, I spent hours and hours. I'd get home from work as soon as I could, and he'd be out there shooting hoops. I'd go out there, and I'd start passing the ball to him. And, and, then, I'd, and then at that time, I'd do a lot of parenting. Hey, how was your day? You know, typical of boys, one-word answers. Hey, how was your day? Good. All right. And, and that drives moms absolutely crazy. You know, yeah, doesn't it? It just, how you doing? Good. Because guys don't talk. We just don't. And we're not going to, and at a certain point, we don't want to share everything with you moms anyway. And so, so I'd have to phrase questions, you know, Johnny, as I'm throwing the ball, Johnny, how was it with so-and-so? Oh, yeah, yeah. How'd it go with coach? How did that meeting go? Yeah, good. Yeah, draw it out. I get the award for the most basketballs passed to my son in the history of mankind. But that's how I parented him during those years, right? So the model that we're given is, is, is just as we do life, as we do stuff. We're constantly meddling in their life, loving them enough to try to develop them and build them and say, hey, this is what I want you to learn. This is what I want you to learn. Um, and dads, um, moms, you have a maternal instinct. It's there. 
It's just, it is there. We have to, we have to, we have to be careful sometimes because we guys don't quite have the maternal, well, we're not maternal. That's why it says in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Why? Because sometimes we men, we're in such a performance-oriented world, right? That when our kids don't obey, it drives us crazy. And we can get angry and try to... I've never parented out of anger. I've had many times to confess my sins out of anger. But I've had to be careful not to exasperate my kids. And my wife has helped me a great deal with that. Uh, takes a great team and unity. We got to work together. So we have unity in marriage. We can have unity in parenting as we build a life. All right, I want to wrap this. I want to pull this together by talking about how, how do we build the lives of our kids? Uh, how do we build these lives that God has given to us? How do we do that? Well, it's important for us to understand that God has called us to build our kids in an open system, a family open system. Uh, rather than a closed system. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean this, that, uh, that a family that has an open system is a, is a grace-based system that's focused on building the heart of the children. We understand the gospel. We understand that we love each other. We're trying to create an open environment, if you can catch that picture, Versus a closed environment that is really controlling. Let me give you the difference. In a closed system, a family, there's the emphasis on conformity. Do what I tell you to do. Don't think about it. Just do what I tell you to do. It's kind of an anger-based thing. There's fear. There's control. Uh, there's present performance. You, a child is, there's unpredictability in a closed system family. They never know what's going to happen. There's, um, there's suspicion. There's do what I say regardless. Closed system. Open system family. There's an emphasis on transformation of the heart. I want you to know Jesus, and I want your heart to change from the inside out. In other words, I don't want you to obey me just to obey me. I want you to want to obey me, and I want you to want to obey me so that you can build a good life. I want you to be motivated from the inside out rather than from the outside only, because a, you've heard this before maybe, a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. In other words, I can get my kids to, conf to conform for a certain time. But if I don't have, but, but at a certain point, they're going to say, see ya later. And this is why a lot of kids, when they move out, go to college, get their own first job, they, they got nothing to do with Christianity or their mom or dad because it's been so controlling and so harsh and so negative. They want none of it. 
But in, a, in an open system home, there's three things that we're going for. Real quick, I can only lay this out real quick, and, 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 and then we'll, uh, I'll leave it to you to work out all the details. Get Bishop to follow up on this. These are big subjects, aren't they? Uh, this is a lot here. But what are we trying to do in an open system home? Provide protection. That's one thing we need in a home to provide protection. And the big idea here is that when we provide protection in the home as we parent our kids, we're providing a place where they can become all that God wants them to become. So we're protecting them. It's a safe place. They know that home is, a, I, I was raised in a home that was not safe. So consequently, I didn't want to go home. But I, didn't, I knew that home was not safe. I was safer with my friends in the alleys of Long Beach, California, doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I look like a nice, spiritual, mature guy now, don't I? I mean, I, I, I was on the streets a lot. I want you to know I raised myself, and uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of bad stuff because home wasn't safe. I didn't want to go there. But if we provide an, a, a, a home where there's protection, a place where they can become who God wants them to be, raise up a child according to his way, when they get older, they will not depart from it. Uh, a home where the mom and dad are getting to know the kids, know their temperaments, how they're wired, how they're different from their brothers and sisters, saying, hey, you know, you're skilled in this where, area. This is where you're good. I'd like to help you develop that area of your life. That's the kind of environment we want, a place where there's appropriate boundaries. In a home where there's protection, there are boundaries, right? There, are say, there is saying no. There are spankings at times, spare the rod, spoil the child. Uh, uh, my grandson Wyatt was over, he'll be over today. He, the other day he was over and he was throwing things. Hit me in the ear with one of them. Do you see the fire in my eyes right now? <laughs> I sat that little guy down. I don't spank my grandchildren. Uh, I'd look at my son. I just smile when he has to. That's your job. It's a knock off the old block, isn't he? And, uh, but I sat him down. I said, I said no, you are not going to do this. You're going to sit here. I gave him a timeout. I don't spank my grandkids, but I give him a timeout. There are boundaries. In a home where there is protection, in a good home, there's boundaries. There's no. But there's a lot of yeses too, right? There's a lot of yeses. Uh, and, and so uh, there's emotional connection in an open system home based on building the house. We provide protection. Number two and three, let's throw those up there again. There's identity, building identity and building uh, 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 confidence. Uh, let me talk about identity, and I'll go back to confidence. The big, the, the big idea here in building identity and parenting your kids is helping them see that they're a saint and sinner, leading them to Christ, but understand they still have sin inside them, right? And, and so what we want to build into our kids is not only that home is safe and they can grow, we can help them grow, but to know who they are. Developing their identity. Identity is everything. Knowing who I am is everything. And I didn't. I, well, by the time I, my parents, I was out on my own, I didn't know who I was. I knew I was a Christian. But I didn't understand deeply what we sang this morning, that I am the deeply beloved, redeemed son of the Most High God. And I, that was my core identity. And then, yes, I'm to be a worker. I'm to be a leader. 
and I'm to be a warrior for what is good for the kingdom of God and for the right issues in life. I didn't know my core identity as a son of God in Christ, and I, and I was always trying to find my identity in my work or in, in everything else out there. And most people are always trying to find their identity out in their work or how beautiful they look or what they accomplish. And if you're always looking for your identity, know for certain you'll never find it. In Christ, we are told our identity. A father determines the identity of his children. And in Christ, we are told we're daughters and sons. That's our identity. That will never change. So therefore, if I understand my identity in Christ, then as I step out into my leadership roles or my work roles or, or my warrior roles out there, then I can step out of my identity, not trying to find it. Different, big deal. And, and so the reality is, is, is that we teach, we lead our kids to Christ and help them understand their identity. Love them unconditional. Love, unconditional love is what helps build that identity, isn't it? And we love, we love our kids in building that identity. We build, we build their identity by loving them unconditionally. The word is agape. Agape is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. The dirty kids that we hold on to. And we love them even when they exasperate the heck out of us and drive us crazy at times. We love them. And we love them through words. We, we build identity as we tell our children, I love you. I am proud of you. I am so glad God gave you to be my child. You are a gift to me. I'm a happy man. I'm a happy mother because of you. Many of you weren't raised in homes that were told that. You never heard those words. And if you never heard those words, trust me, it's hard to give those words to your kids. But you can get them in the gospel. If you will allow the Father to love you, then he will give you the ability to pass those words on. They need to hear it. I cannot tell you the number of people who tell me my parents never told me they loved me. My father never told me he loved me. I can't remember my dad ever saying it. My mom did. And so we need to hear it in words. We need to love them through, through time, right? Kids spell love, T-I-M-E, when they're younger. And you better give it to them when you're younger because when they get older, their world is bigger. Give them a car and you might see them twice a week. Um, we love them through. So building their act, so we're building their, we're, we build our kids by providing protection, building identity, lastly, quickly, by building confidence in them. And the big idea here is that as they come to faith in Jesus Christ and find where their true confidence is, then they can go out into the world more confident, can't they? You see, if the, if, if the home is a place where they are getting a strong sense of protection, a strong sense of unconditional love and building an identity, and in the home they're taught about Jesus and they get the firm, rock-solid foundation of confidence of who is on their side, the God of the universe is on their side, then they can go out into an uncertain world with much more confidence. And so ultimately, uh, the character of Christ then we're trying to build in them, 
aren't we? And we do our best while we have them under our control. And then as they get older, this is one of the bigger things we talk about another time. How do you transfer? Uh, as we raise our kids, how do you transfer your relationship from a parent-child relationship to an adult-adult relationship? This is what most parents don't learn to do, is they keep trying to parent their kids after they're outside the home. And it drives them crazy. We have to move into an adult-adult relationship with them. It's a challenge. But these are the things we're trying to do in parenting. Is this rocket science? You bet it is. <laughs> you bet it is. Uh, I want to uh, end with a story. Is it possible to raise kids in, a, in this world? It is. It is possible. And, uh, and so you, you young people to here today listening to me, if you're feeling hovered over, I get it. But we love you. And your parents love you more than you know. And when you have kids, someday in the distant future, you'll know why. Let me tell you about a guy, and then I'm done. His name was Jonathan Edwards, and he was a great preacher in America in New England. Anybody heard of Jonathan Edwards? A couple of you have. Good, good, good. He, he, was, he was a great preacher. But he, he, he was a great thinker, probably the greatest educated philosopher this country's ever produced. He was not a dynamic preacher like Bishop. He would read his sermons like this. He had badass eyesight, and he would read them like that. But he was a great man. He and his wife built a great family. Takes a team, doesn't it? Usually it's, it's not easy to do. A scholar named Benjamin Warfield studied 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards. And, and they found that from Jonathan Edwards and his wife, I believe her name was Sarah, uh, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, 100 pastors, 60 authors of prominence, three United States senators, 80 public servants that all came from this family. And what they realized was something, I'm hearing it too. Is this the second coming? I don't know. Is it rain? I don't know. What they learned, what they learned from this experience of studying all these descendants of Jonathan Edwards was what they called the five-generation rule. And that is, if you and I develop great kids... We have the potential of affecting the next five generations. Now, another study was done, and with this I'm, I'm, I'm done. Max Jukes was a contemporary of Jonathan Edwards. He was everything that Edwards was. He was everything, he was everything not. He was the anti-Edwards. He was an alcoholic. He, was, uh, he did everything bad. They studied, they studied 540 of Jukes' ancestors and here's what came of it. 310 died completely poor. 150 were criminals, including seven murderers. 100 were drunkards, and half of the female descendants ended up as prostitutes. The five-generation rule could go a lot of different ways. And you, in your generation, might be the generation, generation one. Breaking the cycle, starting over. More power to you. But wherever you are from, the bottom line is the gospel of Jesus Christ is our power 
in marriage and in parenting and, and, and by the grace of God, you just stick in it. Stay in it. Parenting, grandparent, don't give up. Because you won't know what your kids will be like until they're out on their own. Then you'll see. Then you'll see. Just do your job and God will honor you. You take it to heart. Let's pray quickly. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for core faith as a church. How I, how I thank you for the, the parents, the grandparents, the children, the young people that are here now. And I pray that you continue to bless all of us as we seek to raise generations to know your grace and to live out of your grace. For we pray these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen.